Hammer, and ahoy there, me mateys. This be your old pal, Gravy Jones, from Gravy Jones Locker, here in Columbia, South Carolina. We've been dry docked, as it were, what with all this talk about coronas and such, and labeled as non-essential, as if serving up over a hundred varieties of tasty sweet meat drippings could ever be non-essential, yar. <laughs> but that doesn't mean we be closed for business, no, ye land lovers. Why, we be having our very own curbside service available. That's right, just pull up your car, on up, roll down one of your windows, we bit, honk twice, only twice, and chuck about $10 worth of cash out your window. We also accept the balloons. And we'll put a hose right up to your vehicle and top you off with our gravy du jour. Yar. Be it biscuits or meat, rice, pilaf, or anchi, don't be off your rocker. Still to Ruby Jones Locker! <laughs> and remember, Wednesdays are SOS Day. Jibe ho! <laughs> What's a jibe? The Swancast Podcast is recorded, mixed, and produced on the poop deck of Ruby Jones Locker in the heart of Columbia, South Carolina. On the show, we talk about the gaming hobby and random fandom. Opinions on this show are... I don't know where to start unpacking what's wrong with that statement, but what you think you're saying is right. I'm Toast, your cobalt announcer. And now, prepare to delve into the mind of your host, John Minas. Hey everybody, here's a bunch of jerks sitting around talking about stuff. Who better to bring on this show to talk with us uh, since we're talking about beginnings of games and such than a guest we've had on many times. Uh, and I know we've talked about products that he has and products that he's that they've come up with before. So let's let's see if we can get some information on a little bit more of the uh, the ins and outs of some of that and perhaps some of the early stages of a lot of that from Shades of Vengeance. How are you doing today, Ed? I am doing great. Thank you, John. Uh, I hope you're doing well as well. And I hope all the listeners are, are too. Um, I, I just want to kick off by saying, you know, I apologize to anyone who's listening and going, oh, I thought his sound was better than that last time. Yeah, it <laughs> probably was. Um, I've just moved. And uh, my recording space is perhaps not everything that I would like it to be quite yet. But I'm working on it. And I have faith that uh, we'll get there. It's just going to take a little bit of time. So I apologize for the slight bit of bounce that's that's going on today. But I'm here. I'm eager. I'm ready to talk about whatever it is you want me to talk about in terms of uh, the uh, Shades of Vengeance, the early years. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I was I was very pleased to say yes when you uh, when you called on me. I'm I'm very flattered that you 
you want to talk to me about this stuff, actually. We've had you on so much, and we've, we've followed a lot of your products and your, your growth and, and changes throughout the, the years now. Wow, that seems, seems strange saying it that way. Quite a lot of years, yeah. <laughs> what, who better to have on than someone we've already, we've already established a, a rapport with? Why don't you tell us, how, when, did, when did Shades of Vengeance start? Or when did the, the, the beginnings, the seeds, the little spark of it? kind of start for you so we're going back more years than i'm going to admit <laughs> we're going back to when i was at university and um i i i did my first tabletop role-playing game like with actual other people other than my family or whatever um i did my first tabletop role-playing game when i was at university now i'd done computer-based stuff before then i'd done a few bits and pieces with with family and so on but nothing quite like sitting down with a sort of a table of strangers if you know what i mean right and I, you know, I, I, I sat down and, and on my first week I played Paranoia. Oh, interesting. And um, <laughs> I, 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 I turned out to be quite good at it, um, surprisingly enough, uh, to me anyway. <laughs> um, now, the wonderful thing about Paranoia as a starter game for almost anyone on role-playing games is that as a player, you are learning about role-playing. You're not learning the rules because it is against the rules for the players to know the rules. Right. Which in some ways makes it the ideal starter game, if you know what I mean. Okay. Yeah. I, I know what you mean. And that, you know, I, I you know, the first week I, I played Paranoia, the second week I went in and um, they were short of GMs because every university uh uh indoor game society or, or role-playing society or whatever it's it's called in that place they're always short of gms of course they are mm -hmm. right <laughs> so they were short of gms and 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 kind of people looked around and went okay who, who's gonna you know who's gonna be a gm and i was like fine you know what okay fine whatever man i'll, I'll do it i you know uh, by that stage you know i'd i'd been a guild leader on world of warcraft you know so i was used to dealing with people and yeah, you know, I'd done lots of stuff that, that sort of put me in the right place. And it being paranoia and um, sort of the, the guy who ran the previous session sort of sat me down for five minutes and said, yeah, well, all I was really doing was rolling a D20 out of sight and sort of going, eh, do I think it'd be like five or better or 10 or better or 15 or better because that's really hard or and then just kind of rolling it and going yep you shot him in the head he's dead um i was like okay i think i could probably you know just about wrap my head around that one um and uh and and you know i i i ran the game it went surprisingly well um considering it was ad-libbed in about 10 minutes um and I, you know, I ended up becoming a regular GM for the Indoor Gaming Society. Now, listeners might be sitting there going, okay, but how is that even slightly relevant to starting a gaming company? Well, every year, the Indoor Gaming Society at my university, which is Durham University in, here in the UK, um, the Indoor Gaming Society used to run a 24-hour game, uh, which would consist of six four-hour slots. Oh, wow. And uh, we'd have sort of maybe four concurrent groups or five concurrent groups and like six or seven GMs. So, you know, every GM would get a, a slot or two off, right? Um, and, uh, you know, I because I was a GM, I got heavily involved in the in the 24-hour game. And uh, we started doing a sci-fi thing. The previous year, they'd done fantasy. They wanted to do sci-fi this year. That was, that was cool. And, you know, we, we started with, okay, well, we've sort of got Firefly. We'd like to, you know, we'd like to add aliens and do a few other bits of our own. So we came up with actually what is genuinely the prototype of Era of the Consortium. Um, I contributed a massive amount to this. I, I'd already made up the alien races. I've been creating things since I was about six years old. So I'd already made up the alien races. Um, and I sort of gave two of them, two of my favorites, to um, 
to the project, and we used those two. Uh, they were the Ulutians and the Zimians, uh, for anyone who is already a fan of Era the Consortium. Uh, the Valithi didn't exist until later. I made those a lot later, actually. And um, uh, I, I, you know, we set up this whole thing that was sort of a storyline that would be very familiar, again, to anyone who knows Era the Consortium now, um, where a giant starship called the Orion was going to blow up a solar system. Okay. Yeah, um, and that's... That that's that sounds a yeah, lot it's familiar, that. right? Um, <laughs> the reason that the session that we run sort of as a demo is that session is sort of, for me, it's an homage to that original where it came from, you know? And the fact that it's sort of so integral to, to the story itself is equally, it's saying thank you to all of the people who worked on it, um, particularly um, Adam Simmons, who worked with me very, very closely during that whole process. Sort of the, the game was really, he and I worked together and then a couple of other people said, yeah, I'll run in that world that you've created okay um and and you know we we ran the 24-hour game uh it went really well and then i left university i stopped playing role-playing games for for years and then one day i just decided i, d I don't even remember why but i decided i was bored i decided i wanted to run some role-playing games so i sort of i spoke to a couple of people at work I spoke to sort of family, friends. Uh, my brother and my sister both played. Um, my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, played. Um, uh, uh, and, and sort of some friends that I've known since, you know, ever. Since school days. Um, and we sat down and we played, uh, we played a version of the 24-hour game. You know, this this whole thing and leading up to to the Orion. And, uh, you know, that, that was what became the definitive version of it in terms of Era the Consortium. But the fact that it was, you know, that initial thing is 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 very much because of the 24-hour game. Anyway, when we got to the end of that game, um, my brother turned to me and said, Hey, um, I'll run the next game if you like. I was like, yes, thank you, good, yep, okay, anyone's a GM but me, thank you. <laughs> um, and he said, okay, but can you write the rules down? Because I'm not entirely sure how you're doing it. Huh. And at the time, I was working off kind of a bastardized White Wolf system, and because I wasn't happy with the way that combat worked uh, for a sort of a sci-fi combat-based game, I'd made up the kill thresholds based on, uh, sort of inspired by Warhammer 40,000. Okay. Um, uh, Eldar Star Cannons just kind of have a kill threshold. Right. Um, as indeed, I think you get some... Sorry, it's been many years since I played that as well. <laughs> I believe you get... I believe you are able to instantly kill some things that are below a certain level of toughness with certain weapons, if I remember right. Okay. Um, and, and so, you know, I was like, okay, right. This is, uh, you know, this is what I'll do. I'll make it so that, you know, things have a kill threshold so you can, you know... And I went away and I wrote stuff down and, and because I wanted to do a good job of it, I had a quick chat with someone at work and I talked to him about, you know, how you would format that. He was a documentation guy at work and he sat right behind me and I said, hey, do you have half an hour? Can we can we sit down at lunchtime and have a conversation about it? And he gave me a lot of advice on how I might lay it out. And then um, I, I just happened to be checking in with one of my one of my buddies from World of Warcraft mm -hmm. and um he, you know, I, I, we were just, we were chatting. I mentioned I was writing this thing and he said, oh, hey, can I see it? I was like, sure, why not? And I sent it over to him and his name's Drew, Drew Spensley. Um, and he, he sort of came back to me and said, Ed, um, this is awesome. Like, this is really, really good and you should publish this. And kind of from there, it just kind of all, all kind of grew. So, you know, I, I was initially a bit skeptical and eventually he sort of talked me around and I ended up you know, going ahead, and he he was involved for a very short time in some of the universe creation that became the 500 years of history of Era the Consortium. <laughs> um, he he then had some real life stuff 
happen unfortunately his 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 mother died um so he became very busy um and you know i i started looking for some help i found jonathan lewis who has uh been working w- with me ever since um he said hey ed you're writing a history textbook and no one wants to read real history you think anyone wants to read fake history <laughs> um and that's where the um that's where the idea of uh short stories came from Okay. Uh, when we kind of discussed it, and oh, maybe we can get people a bit closer in to what's going on rather than writing like a factual history textbook. We can write some stories and like get people engaged and interested in in what it is that we're telling at the time. And then you know uh, we grew the writer team to include Amy and Jennifer, um, who have who have worked on you know uh, Amy's worked on Era Lies, Era the Empowered, and 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 various others. Uh, Jennifer, uh, Era Survival, Era the Chosen. Uh, Lost Legend, and also various others. And, uh, you know, we just kind of gradually grew from there. Um, we, we we finished here with the consortium, um, and I actually ended up going over to Canada for our very first convention when we only had the rulebook primer for sale um, before we'd actually finished the core rulebook. Um, I, had a, I had a printed copy that I've still got on my shelf behind me, actually. Um, but um, I, I didn't actually have anything other than the, the rulebook primer for sale. And I ran some games, and we we did a panel or two. I did a panel about um, dice mechanics and probability, and we did a panel about how to be a game creator uh, with someone else. And I, I'd i like to think I'll never forget that. You know, it was actually the first one we did, but the one I said second, um, for as long as I live, because this guy, this guy was the most beaten down person you've ever seen. He was a successful board game creator. And, you know, so, someone in the audience, you know, like, like we introduced ourselves and it was mostly a and a thing. Like, so people were asking us questions and someone in the audience said, okay, so how do I begin? Like, if I've made a game, how do I begin getting it published? Mm-hmm. And he just said, don't, don't do it. It's not worth it. It's not worth your time. It's not worth the the emotional pain of basically your creation being taken away from you. And, you know, it. whatever the publisher wants, they can do to it. It's theirs now. Oh, wow. That's... Huh. And, and he actually said in a game creation panel to maybe 50 people sitting there, don't create a game. Huh. And so what I did is I, you know, he passed me the microphone. I kind of exchanged like a one second glance with John. And I just said... Okay, and alternatively, if you'd like to create your game, come and talk to us, because we'll tell you everything that we know. <laughs> and we'll help you as best we can. And and that, that is the moment when Shades of Vengeance became Shades of Vengeance, oh, right? Nice. Um, that that really is the thing that, that made me want to make more games, want to help other people make their games. Um, you, you may or may not know, I've published three games for other people, and there are a couple that are still in, unfortunately, still in development hell. Um, but um, I've published three games for other people, uh, Amazing Space Adventures, Order of the Link, and Marked for Death. You know, I've helped them get that idea. In one case, Order of the Link, the gentleman who created it, uh, John Serembe, he, uh, he had actually been working on it for 30 years, and had never really got it beyond, okay, Here's a free download on my website. Huh. And we went ahead. We ran a Kickstarter. We funded a 40-page book with $3,000 or so. Um, and and that inspired him. Like, he he didn't come back to us to, to work again. But it inspired him to move on and publish his own rulebook. And now there's there's a full rulebook rule of Order of the Link. But that's fine because it wasn't ever about, like, oh, I need to, you know, I need to be involved in every step of this process. 
it's his game. I was trying to show him the way, and he found the way as a result of working with me, and I could not be more honored that that's the case. That's very neat. Um, yeah, so yeah, interesting. Your your story kind of reminds me of, um, it's it's a very different attitude for, I don't know, game game designers, game developers from uh, up to a certain point, to a certain uh, age, or what or whatnot, uh, up to a more more kind of modern or more current view of, of game designing, because a lot of those older of older old school game designers do have that attitude of the best thing if you want to get into this industry or if you want to get into this business the best thing to do is to not get into this business that's true and and i should say i i, I have a bit of a history of making waves at, at panels at conventions <laughs> um so my first convention at the uk games expo which is the uk's biggest tabletop games show yeah. uh my first convention there i um i i you know i i I pushed and pushed and pushed to be on a panel. You know, I wanted to be on a panel with John. I wanted to do it. And because, you know, we were one small stand out in the middle of nowhere, you know, and, and people weren't going to find us unless they knew who to look for. And I, I never go into a panel with the intention of making waves. I should say that. <laughs> but um, what happened is I eventually got shoved on this panel with with sort of five other people, including John. And um, the gentleman in the middle sort of looked looked at me and as I walked up and was like, "Who are you?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm Ed Jowett. This is Jonathan Lewis. We're we're here to you know we're we're, we're here to join the panel. We were told come here and, and you're on the panel." And he said, "Oh, well, I mean, I was going to do the panel alone, and then I was told that this dude here, who I've known for years, was with me, and then this other dude who I've heard of, and you know, he's he's done some work on like Doctor Who and stuff. So he, you know, he came along, and like I was like, okay, and now suddenly it's gone to five. I mean, what's going on here? I'm like, I'm sorry, like I I don't know. Like uh. <laughs> I was just told, yeah, you can be on a panel, and it's this one. And again, this was a, a game design panel. It was about role playing game design, um, how to not how to get into into the industry per se uh -huh. but how to uh, sort of design your role-playing games and so on how to you know how to be able to get to the point where you've designed something that you could publish in theory okay and so we, we, we all sat down we all sat down and i should say that the gentleman who had worked on doctor who i get on very well with him darren darren pierce um and and he's actually worked on some of my games uh, including era of the chosen um so yeah i get on very very well with him and have done ever since that day really <laughs> um so so this this first dude in the middle um i understand he's uh he's passed away now but um i you know he sits down in the middle he sits down and he says um okay so you know i didn't expect to have this many panelists but i'll see what i can do i got my notes here and you know i'm, I'm here to talk to you about um how you design games and he says uh don't don't do it uh build modules for D, &D. that's all anyone wants um wow. you know, no 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 one wants anything other than D, D modules no one plays anything other than D, D modules maybe pathfinder modules don't don't design anything else at all it's a complete path to ruin it's a waste of your time no one will ever play it no one will ever want it don't do it wow and you know I, th this went on for about five minutes right um explaining how you know um i, I don't agree you know don't do this and then he went on to Okay, and if you absolutely must build your own system, make sure it's a D20 system that's a clone of, like, use the open open D20 license or or make it a clone of 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 D and D because no one wants to play anything that doesn't involve a single D20. Oh wow! And I was just out there thinking, okay, all right then. Um, this guy, like, okay, he's clearly a little more 
sort of old school, a little more senior, you know, um, than, than I am. He certainly has that kind of attitude that that's what made it come into my mind. It's literally what you just, just mentioned. And he passes the microphone to the next guy and the next guy just completely agrees with everything he just said. Um, you know, yeah, uh, I, you know, I started doing stuff back in the sixties. Um, you know, I, you know, I been writing D and D or maybe seventies, sorry. Um, I've been writing D&D modules. I wrote for White Dwarf, uh, which I, I don't know if you have that over in the US. It's um, It was a Games Workshop magazine for, for Warhammer yeah. when I came across it. But um, apparently it used to be a little more um, wide. Oh, yeah. We, we had that for a while. We um, had, we had that. <laughs> uh, so, you know, uh, the, you know, I wrote D&D modules, you know, D&D sessions for, for White Dwarf and so on. And yeah, absolutely no one. There's no one in the world who wants to play anything other than D&D. Wow. And then he passed it on to Darren, and Darren said, well, you know, I, I can't really comment on this because it's not really my area. You know, like, I'm, I'm more of a kind of a writer and developer of worlds than I am of the sort of the mechanics and stuff. And he talked a little bit about, about that and the stuff he'd done. And then they passed the microphone to me. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I sort of, I open with something on the lines of, um, you know, I, I would not like to belittle any of these people or the work that they've done for the industry over the years. But I do have to say that I completely disagree with basically every word that's been said so far in this panel. <laughs> the entire audience burst out laughing. The guy who was running the panel, the, the, you know, the, 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 the older gentleman, right. um, he glared at me. Um, he, he just kind of turned and glared at me. And I said, look, I, I don't know what to tell you, right? I, I've been creating games for two years now. Um, I've got two games. I've made sales. It doesn't run on D20. It is my own world. It's not D&D. Um, it runs on a multiple D10 dice pool system. I'm here. I'm making sales here. I'm really sorry. I think these guys are wrong. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and yeah, I mean, it, it kind of, the panel went from there, as I'm sure you can imagine. <laughs> sort of every question got, got dealt with by every single person before me. John was sat there trying not to just break down laughing, because he, he really, he was trying not to just <laughs> explode in laughter the entire time. We had to not, not make eye contact, because we both would have just collapsed. <laughs> um so you know all the questions get asked and it, it goes to the middle guy first you know the, the 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 lead guy first and then it goes to his buddy and then it goes to darren and then it comes back to john and then and then me lost and um yeah the, the, pretty much the panel went like that for half an hour or an hour however long the panel was i don't even remember now an hour i think and at the end of both this panel and also the game design panel that I mentioned earlier out in Canada. Uh -huh. What happened is a minimum of 10 people followed us back to our stand to talk to us about the things that we'd said. And the thing is that, I, I think you're right, I think a lot of the old school game designers, they don't sell hope. They sell futility. They say, look, you're never going to make money doing this. You're never, it's never going to be worthwhile. Uh -huh. I, you know, there is some level of accuracy in that statement. I have never made any amount of money I've certainly never paid myself at even one cent a word on any of the books I've ever created for, for the writing I've done, uh -huh. you know, let alone all the all the other effort, the marketing, the running games and so on. I've never been paid anything close to even one cent a word for the writing. But I think that a lot of people don't get into game design because they want they want to make it their career, but they don't expect to make it their career. Right. If that makes sense. If, yeah, if that that kind of that divider makes makes any sense. Um, they get into it because they want to create a game. And sometimes that's a realistic expectation and sometimes it's not. And a lot of people who want to create a computer game 
end up creating a tabletop game because they want to create a game and computer games cost a ridiculous amount of money. Um, and, you know, I, I don't like the fact that a lot of the people who are more experienced in the industry. And when I say the industry, I actually mean tabletop gaming in general, not even just role-playing games. Right. But oh, yeah, they'll yeah. discourage you from doing it, just like the guy out in Canada, just like this other guy. They'll discourage you from being creative within the bounds that you would like and say, no, these are the bounds within which you should be creative. Okay. Yeah. And I've I've heard that a lot from uh, board game designers it's it's interesting it it very much parallels a lot of what's going what's been going on for the past 20 or 30 years in the music industry as well yeah yeah it's it's a really yeah. interesting parallel with all of that I, I mean i see another parallel um as you know i've recently moved into audio dramas as part of what we do right and i think the audio drama industry is about 20 years behind where the role-playing game industry is now um because there is an expectation that you just produce it for free yeah okay um, oh, there's so much free, great content out there. Why should I pay for anything? And I think that's what happened to the role-playing game industry. Yeah. Um, I can, you know, I looking can at the history that. that I know, mm-hmm. um, I think I think that's what happened to the role-playing game industry because people started producing stuff for free, either because of, you know, legal limitations uh-huh. or because they didn't want to just get involved in the commercial crap, basically. Okay. And I think that the audio drama industry the podcast industry for for like full cast stuff mm-hmm. is going to experience some serious problems within a decade because the only people who make anything uh money what the only people who make money are the people who are uh, you know the big finishes of the world uh who do the doctor who audio dramas right. um and they have a big studio they have lots of money they have only experienced people and i think that what's going to happen is you're gradually going to see that although it's quite easy um i'm speaking relatively it is quite easy to make good audio content mm-hmm. i think what you're going to see is it becoming less and less valuable unless something changes unless something turns that attitude around that oh well I can get just as good for free. I got Why would I pay any money for your work and time? Yeah, yeah. It's. I, I think it's. I think it's a serious potential problem, and I think it's something that, as you say, the tabletop industry has been struggling with for a while, mm-hmm. because there is there's a lot of good free stuff out there. Um, taking for example one of my favorite sci-fi games of all time, a problematic system in some areas, but Eclipse Face. Oh yeah, yeah, Eclipse Face. Super. First edition was free. It uh-huh. was. Um, it was. Uh, it was open source. Uh, now. And, and and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that this is a bad thing at all. The publisher has now said, okay, look, you know what? It's not open source anymore. Right. Um, it is now, it now costs, you know, you now have to pay for it um, to get the book. So, um, you know, go, go ahead and do that. And here's the second edition. They've taken down a lot of the first edition content that was online as well. Okay. Um, I know we were we were getting into first edition years ago. There. I mean, I mean, I I played a fantastic sort of twelve or eighteen week campaign way back, uh-huh. um, and I really enjoyed it, except for the hacking rules, which I found unforgivably clunky. Um, I just I found the hacking painful. Okay. Well. Um, that, that... I mean, I understand. I understand that it was quite simulationist, but with nothing else in the game really being very simulationist, <laughs> it, it felt like it didn't fit All to right. me anyway. Yeah, well, that's that's my opinion. You know, other people are perfectly welcome to that. <laughs> that's 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 very much what um all the early years, the early versions of Shadowrun kind of ran into as well. Yeah. <laughs> so wow, there, there it's it's I'm I'm seeing you're right. It's the it's very much trends. It's a it's it's so 
very similar, very parallel to a bunch of stuff. Because um, mm. I'm seeing a lot of this with just me, not necessarily audio dramas, but podcasts. Mm. Uh, there's there's so many podcasts that you have to, well, you don't have to, but, but over the past 10 or more years, I've seen almost every podcast now has a, you know, hey, go and support me on Patreon or, well, you know, there's going to be a couple ads here in the middle of this show because yep. cause we have to, you know, because we need to, to monetize this to some degree. Um, you know, we've, we've been seeing this with with a bunch of our YouTube videos and things like that now, nowadays. Yeah. It's, it's a very interesting trend. I think, I think that... <sighs> I think that the internet opened up a possibility uh-huh. for people to do whatever they wanted creatively, right? And, and that uh-huh. could be podcasts, or it could be, you know, uh, creating role-playing games, or it could be almost anything. Right. And I think that there's some degree to which the large companies know that this is going on, and they're taking advantage of it. Yeah, Okay. Because the large companies can afford to give stuff away for free. They can afford to spend, you know, an amount of money on a marketing thing. Okay, yeah. And the smaller companies tend to really struggle with that. Like, okay, yeah, I mean, I can sit here and slave away for a month and get no pay whatsoever. How do I pay my bills? Right. right. Uh, You can't be full time if you're going to do that. So what it does is it pushes everyone either. Well, I mean, it pushes everyone who is not a large company, I should say, downwards. There's no middle, really. Very, very little. Either you're a large company with IPs that make money, uh, and, and that is that is sort of generally true in, in tabletop gaming as well. Most games that make a lot of money are IP-based. Right, exactly. Because you've got that, um, because you've got that brand recognition that people can easily... Yeah, the, the problem is that large companies, and I'm not saying this is universal by any means, but a number of large companies have started just making crap games. Yeah. Just okay. really, really bad games. That, that are, I don't know, I, I'm just trying to think of one that isn't like immediately attributable to <laughs> a particular company because I don't want to badmouth anyone. But um, I don't know, one I can't think of a, a, a game of that we can use as an example. I don't know of a uh, blah, blah, blah. I don't know of a Mass Effect role playing game, right? Uh, to take to take an example, I don't think there's a tabletop RPG, as far as I know. <laughs> well, well, you mentioned that, and that really kind of opens up a, a completely different can of work because there. Uh, it does. Yeah. <laughs> but leaving that on one side for a second, what what right. you'll have is a company come along and go, oh. My rule set, I'll, I'll hire someone for nothing to, to just write up some some blurb about the universe of Mass Effect that already exists. I'll stick my, you know, my label on the side of it and, oh, look, there's a Mass Effect role-playing game. Anyone who likes Mass Effect, you've got to buy this or you don't have the whole experience. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, and that that's really what I'm referring to. And I'll, I'm not saying every company by any means that uses licenses follows this kind of cynical approach. But it, it, it does there are a lot. Yeah. There are a lot who do, and 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 I'm not just talking about role playing games either. I mean, um, there there are there are board games as well. It's uh, which are right, like like there's you know, deliberate cash grabs, basically. right? Like there's um, I know here in the states we have there's games like um, Operation, yeah, and and I don't know. I walked into the store just uh, maybe a week or so ago, and it's like, oh look, there's uh, there's Mandalorian operation there's yeah yeah Star Wars or, or droids clue. operations it's it's clue is a very common one that licenses yeah. out for everyone yep i know like yeah. I, I i remember i was 
I was looking at um, a particular license a while ago, and I was told, "Sorry, we're we're busy with our with releasing our Clue game at the moment." I'm like, <laughs> like "What? what? <laughs> why? What? Why? What? Why?" And and the thing is that that it's just a reskin of the same thing. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, a, another thing where I'm gonna have to say I'm making a judgment on this without playing it, but the Stranger Things D and D. Okay. Okay. As far as I know, there's nothing unique to it. Uh-huh. It is just D&D. Yeah, and that's uh, but kind they, of the impression I get. It. They've skinned it for Stranger Things so that people who like Stranger Things will buy it. Oh, oh yeah. And, and, and that's the kind of cynicism that I'm talking about, really. Okay. You know, it's not actually making any attempt to advance the hobby. It's not making any attempt to create a new game or... Or even recreate an old game. Like, I have no problem with OSR stuff when it's done well. Right. I have no issue with that. Like, if you want to do some OSR stuff, if OSR is your thing, play it. Like, I am I am in favor of people playing. But I'm also in favor of seeing new things from time to time, not just the same stuff recycled over and over and over and over again. And, you know, today it's got a, I don't know, it's Dune Clue. <laughs> you know, like, why? Like... Why does this exist for any reason other than money for both parties? Right. And and you did, yeah, when you were speaking of RPGs, you, you and, spe- and kind of going back to that, that, that first gentleman who was saying, you know, uh, only write for, for D&D, only write D&D modules. Mm. There are so many, um, so many reskinned games coming out that just have the, the 5e, you know, the D&D 5e are just 5e on it because, and it's, and they, a lot of them do just kind of feel like reskinned versions of D&D, just maybe this one's Star Wars or this one's, uh, you know. My Little Pony, is, I think, is coming out now. Uh, well, there was already a My Little Pony role-playing game, right, actually. Right, right. But uh, now Tales there's... Equestria, I believe. Yeah, but now there's a, now there's a, a 5e D&D one. It's like Friendship is Dungeons or something. I don't remember exactly. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is that people know that 5e sells. Right. Um, I was talking to someone the other day, um, and, and he made a comment that I thought was quite interesting, um, which is, we're basically in that limbo with role-playing games. Mm-hmm where i mean i mean i know that in the u.s you call them vacuum cleaners right but in the uk here we call them hoovers okay yeah yeah. right we'll ask where the hoover is um (laughs) i know that's a brand name but but you know we'll we'll you know we'll we'll call it a hoover i get you i get and he (laughs) said you know we're in this limbo where role-playing game and D&D are not yet synonymous and the Ah. minute that they are it won't matter anymore I, i don't know whether i necessarily agree with that but i definitely thought that was an interesting thought that you know, is, on the uh, day on the day that we start calling role playing games Dungeons and Dragons or D and D, whether it is or it is not, I think that's a really interesting thought. See, back back in my day, uh, uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> when when I first started getting into role playing games, uh, yeah, I played D and D, but I also played like Marvel, Paranoia, a few other things like that. Yep. Um, but the way, but to explain that to somebody, I would always have to say, I, I play Dungeons and Dragons. It's like D and D. Yeah. I, I mean, I literally said that I had to someone, I, I try and avoid saying it because I, I dislike it. Oh, I agree. I agree. Um, on a flavor level. Um, but someone asked me yesterday, um, I was, I was running a game and, and I had to go away and do that. And my wife had guests over, you know, friends, lo- long time friends of both of us. Uh-huh. Um, and I said, yeah, I, I got to go run a game at, at eight o'clock. And he said, oh, like a D&D. And I'm like, uh, yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just kind of like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know where to start unpacking what's wrong with that statement. But what you think you're saying is right. <laughs> 
and and this is for me this is this is a pet peeve for me like it's got nothing to do with anyone else uh-huh. but uh i i you know i don't like i don't like it when my games are called like D because in every way that matters to me they're really kind of not i gotcha um and not only that D was far from the first role-playing game like like far from uh, I've I've even got a book uh, that was written by H.G. Wells, okay. uh, which basically describes a tabletop role-playing game without calling it that because that term didn't exist. Um, uh, John Jonathan Lewis, he he got that for me as a present uh, uh, on one of his visits. Oh neat! Because uh, he saw it and he just thought, well, you know what, that's that's interesting. D&D wasn't the first. Uh-huh. It, it 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 was not. I don't know if it was ever the only. I wasn't. I wasn't around when it first launched, but it wasn't the only for very long. If it was, right, and it it, it somewhat bothers me that that I always have to explain a role playing game as like D and D. Yeah, I got you. And, and that that just comes down to the marketing machine that that Wizards has. Um, it's not a question of anything other than money being put at it. You know, Big Bang Theory and um, you know, uh, which which reach the wider audience than the audience that. I don't know, watch tabletop or, or you know, even wider than than kind of Critical Role. Although Critical Role is, is an example of that, where they've sort of, they've just made it the marketing machine. Right, right. Um, and they've, don't get me wrong, Critical Role is a quality production that I absolutely wish that I could get to that level of talent and celebrity involved. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I, I know I can't. And the only reason that they can is not because, really not because it's D&D, but because they have the money. Yeah. Yeah, I get you. And yeah, I mean, I I think, you know, that's fair enough. That's the free market. That's the way it works. Um, But I think that there's there's something lost when you consider every role-playing game as being like D&D. Yeah, I get you. It's it's a weird kind of a mixed, mixed bag of goods, as it were, <laughs> because yeah. it's like you don't want to... You don't want to hate that stuff because at the same time, it is pointing people in the direction it's bringing of... People in, it's bringing people into the hobby. And right. One of the things that happens to me most when I'm at the convention that I do here in London, um, MCM Comic Con, the, the biggest convention in the UK uh, for for comics and, and so on. Um, one of the things I do, the most common exchange I have is, hey, uh, do you like tabletop role playing games? Oh, yeah. Well, I tried D&D and it was, yeah, it didn't really like it was either too complicated or it didn't really make sense to me or Something along those lines. Uh-huh. And I'll go, well, okay, if you understand the principles, why don't you sit down and try this? Because I think you'll find it simpler. Okay. And, you know, that that's, that's, a, that's a group of people that exist out there who have been alienated by the... I'd say even the complexity of D&D 5e is... Is not and then you know I I am I am now a fairly experienced statistician. I understand <laughs> mechanics and so on. You know I, I understand the stats pretty well. Right. But I would say that the vast majority of people that I run into don't say yeah D and D awesome. They say oh I love Critical Role but I couldn't play the game. Right. They say right. um you know I I I I love this this and this or or you know we tried to play it and no one could really get their head around DMing or you know the vast majority of people I run into say. Yes, I know what that is. And and I should say that this is a comic convention. So it's not a tabletop role-playing convention. Oh, okay. It's not a tabletop convention. Um, it, it's kind of, it's MCM Comic-Con. Like, it's it's a comic convention, but it's like, it's got all kinds of geekdom right, stuff. Right, right. Right. Um, and the, the vast majority of ordinary people, in inverted commas, who I encounter there, <laughs> have heard of D&D. Many of them have tried it, and none of them liked it. 
like the vast majority oh. did not enjoy it. And it, it makes me wonder, okay, look, if you'd played, I mean, let's put my games on one side for a second. What if you would played Fate? Uh-huh. Because you found D&D too complicated. What if you had played Fate instead? Fate is such a simple game. The rule set, you can understand it's as simple as falling off a log, right? Oh, yeah. What if you had played that instead? What if Fate was the game that everyone knew? Would you actually be an avid member of the community as a result? Right. What, uh, what, uh, yeah. what if D&D and Fate were both equally well-known? You, you see what I'm saying? I see exactly what you're saying, yeah. Because yeah. I, I think I think that there is a constant danger in the role-playing game industry, and, and that's really where we started. I'm kind of coming back full circle now. That's fine. <laughs> There's a real danger in the role-playing game industry that what we look at is, okay, this is a thing, it works, it's successful, let's never innovate. It works. Mm-hmm. People like it. And I think that sometimes people forget that there are people who don't like it. And, and you know, whether you... Listeners think that D&D is complicated or not. I don't particularly think D&D 5e is complicated. I understand why people struggle to pick it up. I, you know, I don't think objectively it's complicated. Um, if, if that's the way that it works, why are we not trying as a, as a community, as a fandom of tabletop role-playing games to expand what it is that we're offering. You know, we're, we're, we're pretty content to let D&D and Pathfinder sit in the top slot. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm not saying don't go out and buy my game because my game is awesome. But I'm saying, look, I, I don't care who it is who's also in a top slot, but D&D and Pathfinder are the same game, pretty much. Right? I, I mean, oh, they're yeah, both yeah. D20, they're both, you know... And and I get a lot of people who will turn up to, again, at MCM Comic Con, people who are not hardcore role players already, who'll sit down, they will play an era game, era of the consortium, era of survival, whatever. They'll okay. sit down, love it. They will buy it. They will go home and play it with their friends. And and that's fantastic. Why, why has it taken them this long? You know, some of these are 30-somethings. Uh-huh. Why has it taken them this long to find out about anything other than D and D that exists? Um, like, like, why is it that as a community we're not working harder at that to promote things that are not just the same D twenty system? Because some people don't like that, and I, I don't really know the answer to it. Um, I I believe that the community is massive and massively diverse as well in in their likes, in their identities. Mm-hmm. There are a large number of people out there. This is the fundamental thing that I learned from from running games at MCM Comic-Con. There are a massive number of people out there who want to play a game, a role-playing game, that is not D&D, but they don't know that anything else exists. I I agree with you. That's somewhere around the region of tragic. Because these people could be having fun, right? They could be enjoying themselves. They could be having a really good time playing any game, whether it's an era game, whether it's fate, whether it's, you know, whether they like, whether they think D&D is too simple and they want GURPS or, mm-hmm. you know, I, I have no objection to any system whatsoever that they're, they're all tailored to different flavors. Um, as you and I have spoken about before, era D10 is tailored to what I want in a game when I play. Uh-huh. It works for me. It works for other people. And it doesn't work for some people, which is also absolutely fine. See, it seems to me that what needs to, I don't know, I guess what some, some folks need is they need like a sort of a matchmaker type of a professional, as it were, who could sit down with them and say, well, let me let me ask you a few questions. Based off of what I see you really want from a role-playing game, I might suggest the game. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that kind of thing. The, the problem is that no one is going to spend money on trying to find out what kind of role-playing game right, they want. Right, the minute right. you say the word professional... Obviously, everyone wants to be paid for their profession, which yeah. is, again, totally fair enough. Right. 
The problem is that it's not seen as... Entertainment is a huge industry. Mm-hmm. Tabletop role-playing is not. And people... I, I genuinely believe that the vast majority of the population believe that tabletop role-playing games are more niche than they actually are. Yeah. Like... Yeah. And when I say more niche, I don't mean the people who actually play them. I mean the people who would enjoy them if they did. I agree. Uh, it's for for a lot of folks. I think if they if they even just for for a minute or two just could see the inside of like one of these the gaming conventions. It doesn't even have to be a, a massive uh, big one, um, mm. but even a, a nice little moderate sized one. Just to to see in the gaming hall the the people sitting down at the different table playing, um, or even sit and listen to a game, even right. if you don't. Right. Right. Like, um, like I mean, an actual game going on. Not. not I, I want to do a shout out for something that's nothing to do with me. Sure, well, sure. nothing to do with me. I mean, it's somewhat. <laughs> I I go there. There is a there is a fantastic, literally the best in the UK as far as I'm concerned, gaming convention that I believe I've mentioned to you before. Contingency. Yes. 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 And I I want to give it a shout out for one very special reason. It's online this year mm-hmm. because of COVID. Right. This coming year. In January. And I could not recommend more the kind of environment that this convention gives. If you're if you're someone who listens and you're kind of on the fence about tabletop role-playing games, you're not really sure, go to the Contingency Facebook group, join, sign up for one game in the week. Mm-hmm. Not every GM is equal. There, there is no getting around that. But this is a convention about playing games. It's not about selling. It's not about anything other than playing role-playing games and having a good time. And it is by far my favorite convention in the in the entire year. Um, I would strongly recommend it to anyone. Um, I'm running uh, a number, 12, 13, 13 games, I think, um, uh, during during the weekend, uh, during the week, Wednesday to Sunday it goes. Uh-huh. Um, and, and anyone who's listening is more than welcome to join me. Uh, you can sign up, sign up for my games as well. Or play anything else. There are people running Alien. There are people running D&D. There are people running Pathfinder. A lot of people running Pathfinder. Um, play whatever you like. Play one game if you're on the fence. Have a go. See if you like it. Because it's not really about rolling dice. Like, most role-playing games are not really about rolling dice. I'm sure you'd agree, John. I agree. I agree. They're about telling stories and making sure that whatever you think should happen doesn't always necessarily happen quite the way you want it to. And I think that's fantastic. I wholeheartedly agree with you on everything you've just said. Wow. So I, I know that uh, originally I was like, oh, we'll get we'll get Ed on and we'll talk about, you know, starting up your, you know, our, our, the beginnings of uh, Shades of Vengeance and, and all that stuff. And we've kind I'm of... sorry, did I go off on a tangent? <laughs> no, no, it's fine. It's, it's fine because the tangent we went off on, I think, was very interesting very entertaining and um actually covered a lot of a lot of that that kind of the ins and outs of the industry observations uh, the different trends and such and it's it's the it's, only the only other thing i would like to say on kind of the subject we were initially going to talk about yeah yes please i have not closed my willingness to help people get their games sorted and published okay um you can go to imaginerpg.com and submit a game idea and tell me about what you'd like to do um i will help you spend whatever budget you have i've worked with $50 and I've worked with $1,000 from from different people. Um, I will spend, I will help you spend whatever budget you have. I will help you produce a book. May not be everything you imagine, you know, $50 isn't going to make you a 300 page rule book. I'm sorry. That's just, it's not going to work that way. But I'll help you spend what you've got to make the best book that I can. I'll help you get it on Kickstarter. I'll help you make that dream a reality because that's part of what we do. And it means a lot to me that we do that and we help people. So yeah, imaginerpg.com. 
Imagine our become. I'll definitely get a link in our show notes. That that is that is some good stuff. That's that's very very nice. I like that. All right. So um, well, we'll cut. We'll kind of uh, we'll put a we'll wrap this up then. Um, Ed, where can our listeners get more information about Shades of Vengeance um, and all and all of that fine stuff? So uh, mm-hmm. Um ImagineRPG.com actually redirects to to part of our website. So that that you know, if that's easier to remember, you can explore, jump off, and explore the website from there. Okay. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at Shades of Vengeance. Uh, we also have a a group devoted to discussing the era games at era d10 games um we're on twitter shades underscore of underscore venge with an e um because shades of vengeance didn't fit by one character uh we're the same on instagram and we're on youtube at uh, youtube.com slash shades of vengeance as well so yeah and and uh, you can also join us on discord um if you want to ask any questions or if you want to try out the games, you can join us on Discord because we run. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty close to a game a day that we run. Um, like that, like them. It might be six out of seven days that there's a game running, but most days there is a game running. And um, if you'd like to join us for a game, you can join us on Discord. The link is on our website. Scroll to the bottom. It's on the lower right. Uh, on every page. So yeah, I mean, please join us. Um, come and play the game. Uh, you know, join Contingency because it's fantastic and you will love it. I promise. Um, and it's online. So even uh, people like yourself, John, who uh, who are not fortunate enough to live in the UK and would not normally make it. Um, you don't have to get up early either because there are three slots in the day. So you can just go for one of the later slots. Okay. Uh, I, I would highly recommend it. Um, and I would highly recommend, I mean, obviously, some of the era games because I know that we're running some really, really special stuff. We're running... Uh, we're running our next multi-table event for Era the Consortium. Oh, cool. Very cool. Which, of course, will impact the living campaign that I've spoken to you about before. Right. Um, we're also running a multi-table for Era the Empowered. Oh. Um, which is going to be great fun. Um, it is it is a time-split game. So one table is in the present, and oh, one nice. table is 100 years in the future. Oh, neat. This sort is... of a Spider-Man 2099 kind of deal. Okay. This is your multi-cover uh, crossover event for... For you comic book fans out there, yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, we we've got we got loads of cool stuff going on. I think that people who listen will love Contingency. Um, there's really nothing not to love. It's just the way it is. So yeah, uh, join us there. Join us online. Join us on Discord. Um, no experience necessary for joining us on Discord. All of the GMs who run games. They were all beginners themselves not that long ago. They all remember what it's like. We're there to have fun. I hope that you'll consider joining us. Swarmcast, I got your number. I'll call you all the time. Area code 803-470-4439. Hey, Toast, what's behind this door? It's the designer's dungeon! Oh, yeah. you didn't. Yes, I sure did! Ah, <laughs> uh, Toast, locked him up. I didn't mean actually keep designers yeah. in the dungeon. Well, it's too bad. They're there. Well, let's go talk to them. Yeah, <laughs> they're making, like, rough them up or something. So, hey, guys. We are here talking with Aaron from Twice Alive Games. Yay! And we're talking about hey, hey. all sorts of things about game design. That's right. 
So, Aaron, uh, you've been with Twice Alive Games for a while now, but you you kind of came on board because they were they caught you doing some sort of game design stuff at a con or something. I want to say they brainwashed me. <laughs> they brainwashed you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I saw I saw um, see I saw John Dyer at um, one of the conventions. I can't remember what it is now, but uh, you know he was doing uh, hawking his wares. Mm-hmm. And um, we kind of hit it off. And then uh, later on, I saw him at, I think it's Mace West or whichever one is in Asheville. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, he's just sitting there, just, you know, just doing his thing. Uh, lots of people crowded around, having a blast. Uh, and then when it kind of died down a little bit, or you have, the, you know, you have those lulls since everything comes in waves as far as games. And um, went over, just talked to him, just kind of hit it off. And then, uh, that, I mean, it's, that's history. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, he found out I had some games. You know, I'd put those games aside because I was like, you know, I'm not, it's, nothing's going to ever happen from it. Um, but then you run into someone like John Dyer and he's just like, no, this has got to happen. <laughs> and um, so he took me out to eat and that's that's all. That's all it takes is really just pay me in food. You know, good. a lot of the conventions we attend, we always after decide before deciding to fully commit to a convention, we look about what type of food is around. What kind of foods around that area? Yeah, yeah. I don't say Absolutely. we're foodies, but man, we like to eat. And you know what's what's? Great? Oh man, I like. Yeah, I can't call myself a foodie, but I like to eat. Like to eat. <laughs> and you know, you know when you're when you're at a restaurant and you're you're eating and you're waiting for your food to show up. You know, sometimes you just you wish you had like a little a little game to just kind of whip out on the table and play, <laughs> as if I was making oh, some yeah, sort of segue absolutely. here. Right? Yeah, yeah. I, I know that's a, that's a great segue. <laughs> so yeah. Um, I mean, that takes us into, you know, some of the things that Twice Alive is kind of focusing on publishing right now. I mean, we have two games that are coming out um, and we're just kind of we're in a phase of how can we and you'll always do this. If you're a game designer, you know this. You're trying to get the best quality, yet you still want to have under budget. Unless you're one of those guys or, you know, gals that like to publish and not make any money, huh. which is super rare. You just for the love of the game. We may know one or two um, people like that. Do we? <laughs> wow. Is it by choice, though? That's the, that's the problem. No, there, there, there's, so, I think know, it is by choice yeah. with at least one of them. Which he's he's kind of weird anyway. Yeah, well. It's for the love of the we game. All? <laughs> yeah. So. And so we're all kind of crazy anyway. This whole crowd is crazy. We're just, um, you know, creating games that you can, you know, while you're waiting on your pizza or whatever it is, um, you just you just pull this game out. You know, everybody knows like the, uh, the Yahtzee or the, the Farkle or, you know, whatever it is. This is in that same genre. Or, so you can pull this out, right. you know, play a couple rounds and pizza's here. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, we, we're really pushing pushing that envelope, see how far we can stretch it. And so um, we're kind of in a, a, in a few a few avenues that we're trying to focus to see if we can hit a niche of some type. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, this, this happens to, we got a lot of, we've got a lot of traction with some people as far as, you know, those little pocket games or restaurant games or right. whatever you want to call them. They go by, I don't know how many, you know, 18 different names. And this... <laughs> Wow, it's going to sound like I'm purposely doing these seg- segues, and maybe I am, but that also <laughs> it's sounds almost like you planned it. But those... like he's trying to make up for something. Shh, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, but yeah, those kind of games seem like they'd go over really well with a crowd that's used to going to places that serves like microcraft beers or 
or locally sourced foods, places like up in uh, Washington State and uh, maybe out in Texas. Ah, yes, yes, yes. This guy reads up and makes sure he knows his people <laughs> before he interviews them. This is great. Yeah, so we we found out that we are actually selling. So we have a, a game called Tross Viking Chess, which is not a which is not a restaurant uh, game at all. No, <laughs> it's not a restaurant game at all. But it could be. It could be. Uh huh. Um, it actually was invented in a restaurant. So, well, I have coffee, but, um, well, you know, <laughs> we, uh, so we made this one-on-one strategy game. Uh, it's in the, it's in the, sh- the same vein as Taffel. Um, if you're familiar with Nordic games, um, in the same vein as that chess checkers, that strategy type thing where you're pitted up against your, your enemy and their pawns. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're getting, we're gaining a lot of traction in, in Oregon state and Washington state. Um, uh, and we have no idea why other than to say, <laughs> There must be some bored people that really, really <laughs> want to go, you know, head to head against their friends. So um, I think we'd love players, to hear some feedback, though. Yeah, I do think two player games are probably all the rage right now, seeing how everyone's, you know, stuck with their significant others. Yeah. That's yeah, how it's just some kind people... of like happenstance. Right. <laughs> hey, yeah. you know, luck is also part of game developing. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, how yeah. do you normally come up with your games? What What's your process? Do you like wake yeah. so up in the I middle of the night or something? Or? Yeah, I don't have, I don't typically have a formal process like, you know, hey, I'm just going to, uh, you know, wake up and be like, I'm going to create a game today. today. Well, I mean, that has happened. Like, <laughs> yeah, today I'm going to make a game. And you can see my finger go up in the air. Eureka. Um, no. <laughs> eureka and i've only had one of those eureka type moments uh, most of the time i and and everybody's gonna hate hate me saying this especially you story driven people but um you know as a beginning as a beginning game designer i, I still I, even after years i still feel like i'm still in the beginning because there's so many things to turn over um you start with mechanics typically you have one that you really gravitate towards and you start to make these Everything starts out kind of abstract and there's no story, anything like that. And you may have a couple little minor mechanics that kind of fill in and make make the game fun or to balance the game. Um, and that, that's how that's how a lot of my games started out. It's just I love I love these tricky mechanics just really pull you in. Uh, I don't do a lot of uh, pressure luck uh, dice rolling type mechanics at all. I mm-hmm. want I want some strategy and I want okay. or some choice. Okay. Um, it's not until I hand it off to John Dyer that man, this guy's just a crazy crazy nutball, and he just thinks different than I do. We all do. We've got Dan, John, and I, and um, I hand it off to I hand it off to John. You know, after I met him, hand it off to him, and he's like, "Oh man, I see pirates." Like, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you do because I just. Wow. Yeah, that's great. Sounds great. Go with that. And then, you know, I bring another one over and he's like, man, I see robots. <laughs> I see him fighting. And he, so he, he comes up with, <laughs> he comes up with this whole like uh, Mad Max kind of feel to robots and stuff. So it's, it's really cool to see, you know, he starts off with, uh, with story. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Dan, Dan's kind of a mix. He, he'll start off with uh, mechanics here and then he'll start off with story um, on another thing. So it's just, it's a, uh, it depends on what, who you're trying to capture. I mean, if you're going for RPG, obviously you want to go around story driven stuff and um, you'll have the mechanics that are built in that are just kind of a mainstay mm-hmm. uh, with a few changes. I think it's more story driven. So it depends on your audience. Um, for me, it's, I love mechanics, but I think I'm going to switch over to story. I mean, it takes a little bit more skill, take your story and then make the mechanics fit. You almost try to, that's when you get these new mechanics that come out. Forcing a mechanic. To, to fit the story. Mm-hmm. 
where almost you have to, yeah, you, you almost have to cut back. You either cut it or cut back on that mechanic, mm-hmm. force it to where so you're, you know, if you've got a theme, you want to stay with that theme. Yeah. So you're trying to expand your creative horizons and, and better your, enrich yourself in your, your game developing skills. That is very, there's a uh, very, very noble of you. Yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah, <laughs> you know I'm just saying, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, I think I, I look at it as a, a creative outlet. Uh, right now it's a creative outlet, uh, until I start making, you know, some money, that'd be great to, you know, make some money at it. But, um, it's, uh, we, you know, we are selling them. Um, I think right now we're just trying to get them out there to get the name out there. Uh, it's like every other designer. Mm-hmm. And then eventually we can get to a place where we can design, design, ga- design games and have money to put into them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's when you start getting, you know, more and more robust. Right. right. So for me, it's a, it's a creative outlet. It forces me think it keeps my, uh, that's your brain, keeps your brain flexible or whatever the terms are nowadays. Keeps you, keeps you going. Keeps, keeps you young. young. Keep, I don't know if it keeps you young. Absolutely. <laughs> but it, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it definitely keep it keeps the wheels rolling it keeps the the turbines keeps the wheels rolling keeps the turbines going i mean so does so does alcohol but you know hey, well, maybe in a different a different, podcast. different direction yeah. <laughs> that's a different podcast. right <laughs> that's right yeah <laughs> so so do you um the juice juice is fun <laughs> do you find that when you're when you've got an idea for a game and you're just kind of kicking around some ideas do you tend to be just primarily like do you do you find that you find one game that you're working on and try to get that to a certain point or do you end up going oh i've got like three or four different ideas for different games that i need to you know oh if i fit a little bit with this one and then i'll run over here and fit a little bit with this one like how do, how does that work for yeah, you yeah so right so um i i think it's important to as a game designer or any person that's that's being creative at all um to to document the process uh, okay. because you may i've actually had this happen um, where you'll be starting on a game and it's such a great idea at the time. You know, it's one of those 3 a.m. type <laughs> ideas. Oh, great yeah. at 3 a.m. But when, you know, when you wake <laughs> up in the morning, you're like, wow, that was really crappy. But um, you start to, you know, you get those ideas, you write them down, you document them. Um, because you may actually steal your own mechanic or steal your own story and um, Frankenstein it into a, an, another game. And I've actually had that happen once or twice um, where just I'm just documenting it and I go back to it later. I'm like, wow, that that game was crap or that it just it's just one, not going to work. But I like that I, element. That one little aspect. Yeah. Right. That element would work perfect in this other game. And so uh, documenting is absolutely paramount. You've got to have a game designer journal. So instead of a diary, dream journal, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Instead, of, instead of a dream journal, you just, you know, write in your, yeah, you just write in your, your, your muses down and your ideas, no matter how wacky they are, you know, no matter you, how crazy, and then you'll have different iterations of it. You yeah. actually sound very much like a writer as far as, you know, writers ha- keep their journals around keep for their journals, inspirations. Ideas, yeah, and, yeah. Oh, it's, yeah, you got a lot of, you got, I, I would assume you have a lot of overlap. Um, that's just that creative process. I, I imagine like with painting as well, you know, you want to, you want to do a painting, you don't just go straight painting you gotta i think some people even draw like pencil draw on the canvas before they Uh uh, ever go to paint Mm -hmm. on the canvas so it's very much that same process as you're trying to get that out uh, and then be able to reference it later when when the when the when the muse strikes so to speak (laughs) okay so other other than other than game mechanics that give you inspiration for what you want to make are there any other sources like like music or or movies or or things such as that. Yeah. So my favorite genre of movie are heist movies. Okay. 
you know, you've got your Italian job, you've got your um, Ocean's Eleven, those sort of things. Right. Um, and even the old ones. I mean, I go back to the old ones. I do the new ones. Any anything like that. And those, um, I love that. I want to be able to, you know, create a create a game that feels like you're in the casino, feels like you're planning a heist. It has that story. And so that's one that I actually started out with the story and then i had to try to make the mechanics and i can't tell you how many iterations i think <laughs> this is going to sound this is going to sound crazy when i say this number but this is a real number i think i'm on iteration 42 of wow. that game well i remember and i'm still not done yeah i remember years and years ago we actually played yeah. one of the many iterations with you at um oh at shushcon shushcon yes you did I do what? remember. I think, that. I think that's I actually when we remember that. I think when I first met you. I, was yeah. say, I think that's when we first met you. I barely remember that. And and Donald had to say, "Here, sit down and play this for me." Right. And I'm like, "Oh, okay," because I right. <laughs> we had to force people to play it back then. Well, well not force per se. Here, here's some pizza, and <laughs> I was going to say, typically that was iteration. That was iteration number two. Yeah. So oh, wow. I mean, <laughs> wow, that wow. was a long time ago. Yeah. So if we play it again, yeah. we'll it'll be, be like, a totally we'll be different like, Whoa. game. Yeah. It's a completely different game. So what I took away from that, so here's 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 a good here's a good um and I've told this to many game designers. Um when you go in to get your your game play tested, you you, you can you can do it through you can do a blind play test, which means you literally hand the person the box uh-huh. and you walk away. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you you want to actually hand them a notebook so they can write notes down, friendly to do, <laughs> um, or courteous to do. Right, right. And so you literally walk away, and um, this is that's way, 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 way later. That's almost before you go to print. Uh, before you do that, you want to have an assisted play test, so you're actually sitting there. So if they have any questions, you can answer those questions. You can see what uh, comes up. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, those sort of things. And so I think I did an assisted play test with you guys. Um, it I was asked if y'all want to do a blind play test. I don't think I was even at that point. Um, it uh, it played, you know, and I was just getting into games, so it played like a it played like a Monopoly, and you know, ooh, I just said a cuss word, a game designer cuss word. <laughs> eh. Oh my gosh! Um, hey, there are plenty of people <laughs> out there that like Monopoly, and we won't that judge still them. Still love Monopoly. Yes, we won't judge them. No, they still they still they still pay into the industry and keep the gaming game board gaming alive. Mm-hmm. Right. And so um, the the thing is, when you're doing playtesting, you have to have a thick uh, because you're going to go through so many notes. I think that at that time I had, uh, I think you guys handed me three pages of notes, <laughs> especially with Donald Dennis yes. being there. He was just just writing and writing and yes. writing. And so um, what I did, the mistake I made. So here's here's what I tell. Here's here's the advice. The mistake I made was that I took all three of those pages and I made the game fit all three. Mm. Uh, pages. Okay, and so it ended up being this weird uh, duckbill platypus yeah. uh, game. Gotcha. Really awkward, you know, uh, one leg shorter than the other type of game, and um, so it didn't play well. Right, um, and it just became it became a mess. So I, I scrapped everything and started over. So the iteration forty five, I think I said forty five. Iteration forty five is much different. I took a different a different approach. Kind of took it, John and, and Dan and. Dan actually provided a mechanic, fixed a problem that I had from the beginning. Okay. Uh, and he and he fixed it. He fixed it within a few few minutes. So essentially, um, what you're saying is, don't not all feedback is going to ever be used. You I don't was, don't take it all. Yeah. No. You got to pick and choose and say, no, this is the type of game I want, and this feedback doesn't really apply to that type of game. Yeah. You gotta so, you gotta know how to read how to read that feedback. 
Right. Like, see, well, what, what's... And when you're... Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. When you're, when you're a beginning game designer, you're, you're not going to know. You're right. not going to know. So you're going to jump into the hole, the rabbit hole, and, and sink down, you know. But, um, yeah, it, it, that's why I say it's important to keep that documentation. Keep that journal. That way you can go back to this is the point of the game. Yeah, those were great. Those were great feedback. And, and, then, and write the feedback down. It may be good for another game. Yeah. Okay. Just not this one. They might suggest something that you go, well, that's not really my vision for what I want this game to, to do, but that could be neat in something else. Right. I get that. I get but that. But it could be a great party game. Right. <laughs> so speaking of party games. Right. <laughs> <laughs> See, segue, segue. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that, so So again, with the, the muse, what, what, what inspires me to make yeah. a game? Um, for me, I think it's just a challenge um, being able to, 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 stretch myself um, and still have fun um, and then engage other people in that fun. Okay. So uh, since most of my friends right now, uh, the people that surround me are mostly into the party games, the, the voting type games, uh-huh. you know, those sort of, those sort of games. And then the, you know, those little gateway games, that sort of, um, I wa- I'm trying to, I'm trying to venture into making a party game. And so I ran it past Dan on, uh, Marco Polo, that great app. Love it. It's like a video, video text, check it out. But, uh, huh. so we just, you know, we just go back and forth because we don't live in the same, same place. So we just do Marco Polo back and forth. And so, um, He's kind of helping me with that. Just trying to figure out how can we make a party game that a party game where you actually shut off the lights and get everything as dark as you possibly can. Oh, interesting. And have a lot of fun doing it. <laughs> so um, it's it's an interesting idea. It's an interesting an interesting idea. We'll see if we'll see if it happens. If not, you know, you have a lot of fun in the process. I mean, right. The process of making a game is usually where most game designers that's that's the area that they love the most because once the game is done, you've play tested it like three thousand times. Mm-hmm. You're kind of done with it. Just want to move on to the next creative process. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh, that was a off the mic kind of angry oh, face yeah, you yeah, made yeah, down. Yeah. Okay, I'm fine. <laughs> Wasn't related to this. No. Well, that's very cool. And that's very, yeah, so, very different going into the party game. I couldn't begin. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I think any party game that I design is just going to end up <laughs> with vulgarities and swearing and drinking. And drinking. Hey. Which is gotta, not. You, got, you definitely have a certain target audience for that. It's like it's not necessarily a bad thing, but I'm sure it's not where I would huh. not my starting point from that. <laughs> Right, <laughs> right. So, do you ever? Yeah, uh, we are trying to venture into. Go ahead. Go no, ahead. no. What were you going to say? What you're going to say is much more interesting. Whatever. Well, we I'm are trying to. We are trying to venture into. <laughs> um, you know, eventually making going to, coming down to to Columbia there and um, actually hosting a night where we can get some creatives in the same room and see if it explodes. That sounds. So, yeah, I think that'd be really as cool. in creative idea explosion, not you know blowing a room up. Yeah, a different type of creative. Well, I mean, I mean. <laughs> It'd be, still be fun if it blew up the room, right? It could be. So, uh, I guess depends on how. It's uh, we're gonna have a. Well, yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna be a great time. So it's gonna be a blast. Yeah, it's gonna it. be a blast. Yeah. But I'm. Uh. Oh my goodness. So yeah, we want to get some creatives in the same room. So these are people that aspire to be uh, game designers, game creators, storytellers, uh, all the above, uh-huh. and say okay. So if we get get us everybody in the same room, if you already have some ideas that you want to play, if you have a mechanic you want to play test, if you have a story you want to play, if you have a game you want to play, mm-hmm. bring it to this location. And um, we want to create a community around being creative and having that creative process, just seeing how people start out their games, see what they're inspired by, have these conversations. And 
at the same time, of course, we have to have food involved because uh, yes. I like food. This isn't necessarily to pitch your idea to a publisher. This is just literally a get together to right. hang out, Correct. talk about your games and your ideas and test um, some stuff out. Right. Or, or you know, maybe you want to see what everyone else is kind of up to. Right. To help give you some inspiration. Yeah, because yeah, you start to see some of those trends. Uh-huh. Um, you know, you, some, you start to see trends when you get a bunch of people in the same room and you start to, you know, gravitate certain theme or, right. uh, you know, vine or whatever it is. And it, it's really, I, I've, I've done it a couple of times with, you know, poetry, but... Um, See, you are a writer you know, I, at I, heart. I think it'd be a really great... Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I do... I, yeah, I write poetry every once in a while. It's not... I don't know if... I'd, I don't know if I'd ever perform it, but you know, <laughs> but um, yeah, just getting people in the same room. I just, I just, I, I don't know what to expect um, other than just setting boundaries of saying, you know, we'll always be respectful of others and, mm-hmm. you know, we're not going to make fun of anybody's idea. Every, every idea is, is as valid mm-hmm. as, you know, any other, you know, from beginners to people that have been doing it for years. Right. Right. So there's, we can learn from, we can learn from each other. Yeah. And I'm, I'm definitely down with this having, you know, a few very, very, very proto, very rough, very rough games that I've kind of hobbled together that I would love to 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 have other people uh, play test or give advice on or just to show them off. To have I, fun I, with, I have fun with. Absolutely. Um, right now, I'm still kind of in the phase it's a of game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a game, and you want people to have fun. Exactly, and I, and that's kind of really the the main phase I'm in right now. Be you know, what's something that would be fun? So. <laughs> All right, this is going to... So, yeah, go ahead, sorry. No, that's fine. So have you ever had one of those moments where you've seen just something um, like in your house or something that's not necessarily game-related and thought, oh, how can I make a game around this? What sort of game mechanic can do this? Because I, I had one of those fairly recently <laughs> because as I've gotten older and had to start taking, you know, medications and such, you know, my, my medications come in these massive pill bottles because I can't They're horse pills because I can't take the small pills. I got to take the big ones. And so, you know, I end up with a bunch of these, these big pill tubes and I'm looking at them going, I bet I can make a game that uses these. <laughs> Have you ever had a moment like had, had anything oh, so, like that happen? <laughs> okay. So you're saying, so let me, let me get this. So you're saying that you started out. So you, it's, you're not necessarily starting out with mechanics or story. You're starting out with an object a component. You're like this object <laughs> right. is it could, could inspire a game. Now that's something new. I haven't ever thought of that. You're right. So it's, it's, it's no, not I don't quite, I've ever, yeah. Yeah. It's not quite starting with a mechanic, not quite starting with a story. <laughs> I, I, you, you realize that, that you've just you broadened. <laughs> you just you just broaden the argument because everybody's you know everybody's stuck on this whole. Uh, is it start with a story? Does it start with a mechanic? You've actually just broadened the the argument and just um, added a third leg to this pedestal here. Well, that's um, me. No, I just grabbed this object <laughs> and I'm going to create a game around this object. Which that's so fantastic. Which is funny. Because he does that with all sorts of things, both in his RPG stories and we both, John and I, are huge pack rats and we've both reached a point in our life that finally I'm like, no, you know, we moved into a house like five years ago and finally we're filling everything up and I'm like, wait, where are we putting this? Wait, why are we saving this? And you have to come up with space. Right, right, right. So, So I'm kind of in a purge mode lately of no, no, we don't need this this coffee tin that is literally sitting here right. empty. And and I'm fine with that. Yeah. I've, I've been in that 
<laughs> we're both on board with that. So it's not like she's getting rid of stuff and I'm going, no, but I need this bag full of bag full of plastic spiders or something. Right, 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 right. I like, I like my pizza box and pizza boxes in the corner. Leave them alone. They're still useful. Right. Um, but because of this, he does things like John uh, usually hosts something called the RPG Pharaoh's Challenge, where mm-hmm. um, this this isn't board game related, but it is getting there. Uh, you get a random game system and then you get some random elements that you have to incorporate in the game. A lot of times John uses something physical. Sometimes he uses like craft items like yarn or, or things like that, right. which is which has led to a discussion about... Well, with another gentleman, that this year at Scarab, we're actually introducing the first ever board game Pharaoh's Challenge. Yeah. So they're going to get some random. Oh, okay. Board- Tell me more about yes. this. Yes. All right. Yes. So, on, so for this, because um, with the, the RPG Pharaoh's Challenge, they get an hour to work all these things into into a game and then run it in a in a four hour or five hour slot. But with the board game challenge, they're basically going to get about two or three hours with some some components, and, so, and a lot of it's going to be stuff that's you know actual board game components. So it might be like spinners or some, right. It might be like here's here's some some tiles. dice or here's some yeah. some meeples or here's some yeah tiles or things or like here's that. Here's some cards or yeah. cards, and you know you've got a couple hours to kind of come up with a game and and get some. Uh, Get some rules behind it. And then... Okay, so... Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, well, then then the next part of that is... And now we bring in some players, some people from the actual con and and some and a judge type as well, mm-hmm. who, who then they get to play the game and they'll provide feedback. And then based off of some of that, it's going to determine, you know, who, who we believe should win that competition, that right. contest. So it's kind of like a mini. Absolutely crazy. Right. So it's like a mini (laughs) pitchathon slash create this game on the spot sort of thing. Right. But you've only got like okay. So I've got two things. (laughs) I've got two things going in my head right now. You guys make this is great. This is fantastic. Okay. So so let me get this straight. And and yeah. So you start a game from scratch. Uh I mean, with these components is is that where you're going or. Or is it here? You're going to play this game, but you're also going to add these components into. It. Oh, I think we're we're no, definitely no. leaning more towards that. You start again. You make yeah. a game from scratch, right? Now that doesn't mean that you can't already, wow. as like a game designer like you, you may have a zillion and one ideas in your head, and then you get handed, you know, uh, these gem me- gem tokens and some playing cards, or not just playing cards, but blank right. cards and uh, and you might be, you might a be map like, tile. Right, and you might be like, oh, map tiles. perfect, I know exactly what I'm going to do right, with this, because right, I've been right. thinking about a game of uh, right. mining dwarves digging around the city. And, See, I think I just right. described small world. <laughs> yeah, I don't like know. But, you know, you get these random components, and we're not telling you exactly what components are in there right now, because, you know, that's for the, that's the surprise. That is. For the, for the challenge. So, you know, you show up, you get your components, you get a couple hours to hack something together, mm-hmm. and then you get to show off what you hacked. That is awesome. I would love to workshop this at the, uh, <laughs> the I don't know what it's called, the creative <laughs> thing we're doing in Columbia. I would love to workshop something like this. Well, uh-huh. it's actually Even being... set some ground rules, yeah. like you got to have a team of three or something. Well, we did mention, yeah, the, the information right. we'll have. You could do it as a loan or in a team or of, a team I think of, you... Uh, two. two. Uh, this year, I think we're going to max it out. At, at, you could do a team of two. Yeah. Um, for all sorts, for all, for all sorts, sorts of reasons. reasons. <laughs> yeah. 
But uh, yeah, so I mean, I can see someone like Donald Dennis easily doing it solo. Yeah, you know, because he could just come up with a game easy. He'd probably do it in fifteen minutes and be done, and be you know sipping on sipping on a cola or something. <laughs> like that for an hour, an hour and forty five minutes. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I would love. That would be struggling all the way down to the last minute. That would be a really interesting. That would like to the see. Iron <laughs> Chef of of game. Of game design, right? Yeah, and that's why it's it's the it's the board game Pharaohs challenge to go with our RPG Pharaohs yeah. challenge. You know, Thanks. so Fantastic. in theory, we could have somebody compete in one and then compete in the other. That is true, and then that person would be a nervous wreck for the rest of the weekend. I'm sure. <laughs> Absolutely, a freaking. Or they would Red Bull and and or and or they would just the whole time right or they would just absolutely love it right I could see that too and see that's part of John's creativity is he he likes to try these different ideas as far as like like I said working in components because a lot of uh, John very much started out as an RPG guy and he has mm-hmm. become kind of a board game guy not that RPGs he's lost his love for it it's just it seems easier these days to get people together to play board games than RPGs. Right, and board games nowadays. Board yeah. game nowadays. Uh, board games have a lot of really neat components. Right, and, stuff. and they're really robust. <laughs> but all of his RPGs, he usually he would throw himself into not just with miniatures, but with with puzzles and like I said, components and things. You know, you'd show up and there'd right. be this this boat thing that was made out of styrofoam uh, foam core oh, yeah. pig, and you know we get to ride around <laughs> on this boat, filling it full of alcohol to make it go faster. But it's oinking at you the whole time, you know. He so he's always been a very creative right, right. guy with RPGs. So he always has these weird ideas about board games, and, and that was not like a that. random example. That, that was is a not. Very that's an actual example. Yes, yes. That an actual example. Yes. Or or the year that he. Now that's the kind of. See, oh, go ahead. Or the what? That's the kind of game I would like to play. I mean, because I mean, I can understand like you have the structure of a board game. Right. If people coming in, they like structure. They like a time limit. Right. But for us gamers actual people that just love and drink and eat games you know being able to soak into you know and sink into a, a full immersive game right uh-huh. is that's 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 the moment you love those are the moments you love <laughs> see now i'm thinking of all the stupid rpgs that i that i came up with i and when i say stupid i mean they're they're legit stupid they were designed to be stupid and i knew they were stupid hmm so you just have a bunch of foam core sitting around in, in stacks in your home? And well, no. oddly enough, no. You the, would think we wind. would have a bunch of foam core. We used to have a lot of just foam, styrofoam. We still do. It's oh, in the garage. Do. Lots of cardboard and styrofoam out there. Uh, when you get the whim, you're just like, hey, let's break out the styrofoam yeah. and make something. You know. <laughs> in the town. Yeah. Oh, yes. So in... I'm going to go back to RPGs well, I, here. I did that. So Deadlands. Yeah, about five years ago, <laughs> I actually just saw the pictures come back up again when I was looking for costume contest stuff. Uh, he, we spent a good month and a half putting, printing, printing out and putting together a whole Western town yeah, out of stock, Western really town, hard yeah. cardstock. And we got figures all painted up for it. And he put, it was a, what was it called? The 52 or 52? It was called 52 pickup. Yeah. So talk about a weird kind of like nice. a little bit of a miniatures right. game versus using an yeah. RPG game system. Right. Uh, he he created basically these legendary epic uh, characters using Savage Worlds, uh, mm-hmm. like John Henry and um, Paul Bunyan and Zorro and all all you know those Western oh, wow. heroic right. types. And and who was it? Otis, the 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 elevator. One guy. of the bad guys was was Otis. Um, 
why can't I think of his name? Right. The guy, the guy who created a uh, air brakes for elevators. elevators. Yeah. Anyway, was, so it's like the Smash Brothers for like <laughs> RPG. Games. Right. Right. And everyone, it was it was this massive <laughs> melee. It was great. It took up a whole six foot round table, and there were like six people, and they it was crazy. It was it's a great picture to those see. Those are fun times. Yeah. But yes, yeah, so those are fun times. I would love to see those pictures. Yeah. So scarab. Oh yes. Yeah. We totally Tell got off scarab. topic yeah. now. Uh, Scarab 2021 is definitely happening. Yay. We're at limited capacity. We're, we are both limiting. Uh, rejoice. Our, limited, yay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're limiting our attendees <laughs> and our uh, volunteers and, and game offerings and the number of players at a table uh, because, you know, everyone's everyone wants to get out there and do things, but they're, they're still being cautious because right. of. The so, current state of things. Right. And so we want to make sure we're providing a, a very safe environment. Yes. That's our key there. Yeah. It's very safe. Anyway. Run away. Run away. Anyway. <laughs> yes. Scarab is happening. We mm-hmm. are having some people demoing. We are having people running games. Um, we may take a wash on that, but Scarab is financially sound enough that we can weather this for a couple of years. So. Yeah. And it's it's more important very for us to news. keep the keep the community together right right. if you're not if you're sick or you don't feel comfortable coming please don't right we don't we won't hold anything against you for those that are comfortable coming out we are still trying to provide a safe environment to to socialize doing this um you know we we're welcome any suggestions within reason Mm -hmm. and we're not providing everyone with sealable hazmat suits but right but we will have some we will have plenty of hand sanitizers we're going to be Masks have if you some, don't some have some. If you don't have any gloves, if you want them, things like that. And so. speaking, I mean, of, you could brand it with the scarab hazmat. Well, spe- <laughs> here's your scarab hazmat suit. Well, I was gonna say, speaking of masks, we do have a nice. few um, scarab face masks that will be available as prizes for various things. Yes. Um, or if you, yeah, you know, if you really want to, you can look for a Swarmcast podcast on uh, T Public. And get your and go and buy one. We won't. We won't let you not buy uh, right <laughs> stuff from us. But we won't hold you back. I mean, yeah. So, we, what yeah. were you gonna say about Scarab? <laughs> now that we've you know shield so, shield ourselves. Now that we put yeah, a, I was put just wondering if it was on. If we're if we're good, we're gonna do social distancing and whatnot. But yeah. Um, as far as the you're doing unpub this year, we are, are. continuing yes. that. I'm continuing to do that. I so I started it last year. I I want to continue it because we have three tables set aside I, for it specifically. Yep. So and so I kind of I kind of also think of the uh, this board game challenge as being just Part sort of, of a, a yeah. nice little offshoot mm-hmm. from that. But yes, okay. so kind of expanding that whole unpublished thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but definitely definitely doing unpub. Um, I'm gonna be putting the call out there relatively soon to uh, to let people. These different uh, these different folks who have games they want to show off, um, things that haven't been published, let them know that hey, we have space available. Um, we may even be able to to swing you a badge or so, depending oh, yeah. on things. You talking to the right person? We're talking for that. to the right person, yeah. Ruby, Ruby can hook you up. Right. <laughs> so my question is, when so when we're doing all the um, uh, Pharaoh's challenge, Pharaoh's board game challenge, uh-huh. what happens if there's a legitimate game that comes out of that? 
what would happen? What would happen next? Scarab has no Have right to it. That? It's whosoever game it is. That is up to them what, what they want right. to do we, with it. Scarab will not retain any rights to to whatever game comes no. out of that. There's no Scarab publication. No, no, no there's not. Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we yet, would love right? to be listed as, as, you know, inspiration. I mean, or, yeah, that'd be great. You know, or playtester. Right, but you know, no, there's no... Swarmcastpodcast.com. Right. Stuff like that. No, it is all there for the for the love of games and encouraging creativity. For the love. And we will have love it. and you know, and we will have a couple uh probably a one or two board game company types there who might express some interest. I'm not gonna hold them to that. Oh no, no. That's <laughs> right. But you never know. Like right. you say, you, you will get published. You, you never will know. get published. Right, you never know. I'm just scared. Because uh <laughs> you know John Dyer might see something there and be like, Oh my gosh, this is everything I needed. It's it's zombie pirates. This is everything. It's zombie this pirates that are that are that are mining robots for gems. It's great. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, zombie pirate robots. Let's do it. That is great. I, it wouldn't surprise me though. That's so funny. <laughs> well, is there anything that you would like to promote or shill for yourself before we wrap this up? Yeah. Just keep keep even though we have this, you know, pandemic going around, keep keep buying games, keep playing games, keep games in your house, uh build a shelf. <laughs> put some games on it. Even if you're not the Uber game, you know, Uber gamer with, uh, you know, 30,000 games in your, you know, in a, a room dedicated to it, dedicate a shelf to it and uh, bring your friends around and, and play games. I mean, this is we got to keep this going. We got to keep it alive and definitely come to the conventions because that's 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 where it's at. It's so much fun. Get to meet people like yourself, build that community up and, you know, have those great conversations and have great, great fun doing it. Right. All right. Awesome. And so everyone, this was Aaron with Twice Alive Games. Yo, yo. So where, oh, so where can we find your games or your products or how do we reach out to Twice Alive Games if they want to purchase anything from you? Yes. Go to twicealivegames.com and we have all of our listings there. Um, the, if it's, if it's ready and published and it's ready for purchase it will have a purchase link we also have several video tutorials so if you have any questions at all you can refer to those videos we try to cover everything of course we can't cover every faq so if you have questions we haven't covered please feel free we'll get back to you asap and keep your game going wonderful and, yep and just as another quick last note um any listeners out there that are interested in this the the game developers meetup thing that uh that we were talking about earlier uh if you need to get any information on that um feel free to drop drop the swarmcast an email at swarmcastpodcast.com and we'll be able to point you in all the right directions to to keep in touch with that <laughs> all right and that's where i sounded a little creepy did it <laughs> it's gonna be fun <laughs> We got a guest, got a guest. I admit that I'm impressed since I'm Hadrick, someone legit to come and sit and talk some stuff. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so as you may have guessed, the sort of overall theme of this episode has been prototype games, uh, making games. So from print and play games, I have Todd Patrickwin. Hey, Todd, how's it going? Hey, John, it's going good. So, so where am I? Because I'm in Columbia, South Carolina. Where am I talking to you from? So we are in Vancouver, but it is the boring one located in Washington. <laughs> On this episode, I've talked to a guest who's out in London, England, and another guest mm. who is actually a bit closer to us in uh, uh, in South Carolina, also 
but he has a game that is currently doing really well in Washington State and Texas that he was talking about. So I thought oh, really? that it's an interesting connection there. Oh, that's cool. Yep. Yeah, they're all over the place. <laughs> You're the marketing manager for Print and Play Games. I, I keep wanting to drop that and for some reason. I'm not sure why. <laughs> <laughs> what is Print and Play? So Print and Play is a board game prototype manufacturing company. I guess what you can call it. Basically, we're a print shop, but we only or we mainly primarily do board games. Um, we are we can do cards, we can do boards, we can do boxes. We can supply you with the bits you need. Um, we also can make things for like corporations, training material, books, all kinds of different stuff. But our central focus is board games. Okay. And. Uh, looking through the the website, one the thing that really drew me in was I was looking at the different. Uh, I want to say it was designer kits. I think is is what they were called. Yeah, yeah, our board game designer kits. We got about eight of them available. I want to say. Okay, and it's a pretty good range. It covers a lot of a lot of ground. So. Because I noticed also on the website you can go and just buy different bits. Like if you're like, oh, I just need um, a, a spinner for something I'm trying to, yeah. to mock together, you can get that. I say spinners because I I don't know. I'm always looking for spinners for some reason. Oh, you're into spinners? <laughs> I, I don't spinners know. You don't see spinners too often these days. So oh, yeah. it's always fun when we have a spinner order come through. <laughs> Well, yeah. Yeah, but we've got we've got sorry, we've got just about everything. I mean, we have we have all the bits, all the meeple. Mm-hmm. Um, we have spinner parts. Um, so if you want a non-purple things, we've got that too. And then we we don't worry about the size of the order. If you want to buy three meeple, you can buy three meeple. We try to just supply <laughs> everything to the big guys, and then to the smaller designers or developers. Okay. So if I if all I'm trying to do is put together some sort of prototype. I'm not, I'm not even in a, a phase where I can put a, a Greek letter in front of it. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> then I could just, I could just go to the website and, and, or contact you guys and just say, I, I just need a handful of things. I need a, a deck yep. of blank cards and, and a, a horse. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We have a, we have a ton of, of blank stuff available too, because mm-hmm. it's, I mean, it's really cool. Like we, we really can help you start at the very beginning of the process it's brand new like you you have an idea and you're like how can i get this going without doing it all myself at home and cutting my fingers off with scissors or whatever <laughs> um and we can help at that point and then it, it ramps up and all of a sudden we're also like your order is right next to the next um gameling games prototype or the new stonemire game that's coming out um, because we also are doing the bigger publishers, helping the big, bigger publishers get prototypes done for conventions, which right now is making me sad because they're not happening. Uh. <laughs> um, and and sending them out to reviewers, we're sending them out to you know Dice Tower and all the other guys. So it's kind of cool because you're in a way you're kind of a part of that, even though you're starting brand new. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah. All of that was. That's very cool. I like that. Yeah. So what I was talking about was sort of the beginning phases. Someone someone like me sitting in my, my living room going, I'm going to make a game. I don't know what it's going to be. But it, but mm-hmm. yeah, it, it also expands past that too. Well, now I've got all my art assets together. 
I'm ready to give to give it an actual beta test. So maybe I need a mm-hmm. couple copies that that actually don't look like just some index cards that I've scribbled on. Uh huh. Those starting stages, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, because I mean, we can supply the blank stuff, and then we can get printing once you're ready. Um, and it's it's pretty cool to print out. Like if someone's been working on a game, they've been working with our um, quotes team trying to get it printed for the very first time they just got art mm-hmm. and they're super excited about it. It's kind of like you're creating their baby that they've been working on sometimes for years where they've just been sketching things out on blank cards. Right. Um, so yeah, we, when we get to do something like that, that's always really fun. Okay. So what's, what's the best way then if someone is at that stage for them to, uh, about contacting you guys or definitely, I, I mean, stop by the website. It's printplaygames.com. Um, and just browse, just take a look at a few things. We've got a bunch of pictures on there of um, projects that we've done in the past, um, examples, um, tons of different card sizes. We have, you know, die cut, chipboard, token sizes, um, different box sizes. So it's it's good when you're new to just take a look at the website and kind of see what your options even are. Um, because you may have had an idea of maybe the size of the board you wanted or the size of box. But being able to actually look at the options available, mm-hmm. um, it, it tends to help. But if you do have a very specific thing in mind, we also have, um, we do just about anything custom. So if you had a custom-sized box you wanted or a fancy, weird, fry-cut board, um, our team can do that as well. So I always say if you're new and you're interested, just stop by the website, do a quick browse and see if you can find something interesting that way. And having gone through the website, there's, I, I, I almost put one of almost every other thing in my cart because I was like, oh, I don't, know what I, <laughs> I don't know what I need that for, but I think I need that. It's, yeah. it, especially when you're in the early stages and you're just messing around right, trying to right. develop the game. Yeah, it's hard not to think like that for sure. Right. And that's, and that's kind of, that's also the, the appeal of those design kits. Um, yeah, because if you're like, well, they I kind of help you focus, right? Because so if, if you know, well, I'm I'm really kind of building a dice builder. Oh, here's a dice builder kit. Yeah, yeah. Or, or yeah, exactly. Or, or I'm just dealing with cards because I'm going to make a I'm going to make a, a deck builder. I'm going to make the next Dominion. <laughs> yeah. Which good luck to you on that if that's your goal. I know, right? <laughs> good luck to you. <laughs> Yeah, those those are very focused, and they 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 really help um, because they're so specific. And like you said, there are there are a good amount of them. If you ever want to make your own, I mean, mm-hmm. that's definitely an option too. How, um, gosh, I was gonna normally I would say, well, how involved are you with the the gaming community? And you've already dropped uh, a few a few impressive <laughs> names there. So. I did it too early. <laughs> no, that's fine. Though. I mean, we. We have kind of a good community out here in Vancouver in the first place, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I, I moved out here from Nebraska, which already, I mean, Nebraska, I'm sorry, it's a little boring, <laughs> but the gaming community was it's just fantastic. There's so many groups. Before COVID came in and messed everything up, mm-hmm. I feel like like there's a, a few main Facebook groups you can get on and just socialize with people. And there was like game nights every single day of the week that you could be a part of. Um. So we have kind of that connection with the community where any, any local guys designing know just where to go because, you know, we're, somebody from Print and Play is usually hanging out at the, at the groups. 
but then we've also been around for um, like 12 years, 11 years, I want to say. Okay. Um, and Andrew Tolson, who started the company, um, we're now owned by AdMagic. He, he's our manager. Um, he, he was really involved in Board Game Geek, and he made those early connections with the bigger publishers, and that has definitely brought us to a place where we're at, where we're able to um, work with, like, Red Raven Games and, like I said, Stonemeyer Games, um, Greenbrier Games. There's, there's tons of them, and it's pretty darn cool. That is the main factor that, that drew me in was just... Mm-hmm. Playing with some of the, the big dogs in the right, industry, right? Awesome. right. <laughs> and I also like the fact that, you know, like I said, somebody, somebody like me, or some of the folks I know who, who are doing some of the the different um, unpub or or proto mm-hmm. proto spiel type stuff. Um, you guys are a nice resource for us to pull on pull from as well, because, mm-hmm. like you said, so I'm not just at home, just uh, you know, cutting out paper and possibly get, <laughs> getting massive paper cuts. That's the true sign of a, uh, honestly, of a game designer. <laughs> I, I, I had a uh, print and play, um, that I wanted to do a craft for myself mm-hmm. uh, a few weeks ago. And the construction guys always make fun of me because I'm behind the desk on, on the computer. I was like, no, I'm going to build this at home. I had, my wife had her little, you know, rotary cutter that she uses on fabric. And I was like, I'm going to do it just like the boys at work. And I, I cut off the top of my finger immediately. Oh. It's not even funny. Oh <laughs> so I have a lot of respect for all the work our construction guys do. And they just, our turnaround time is really fast. Mm-hmm. And they, they kick butt. Um, and I, I like to think, well, I, I know that we're, that we've got the fastest turnaround time in the industry granted the industry is small but well i mean that's still that means a lot though that's that's still very impressive especially i mean we we do have a lot of customers that are overseas where we'll ship worldwide we have i have some orders that just went out to france oh wow shipping is not amazing but that unfortunately it's just bad for everybody right now right right but yeah a lot of fun things going on okay oddly enough speaking of shipping i was it was I don't know what happened. It was a weird kind of fluke. The the thing that I, I got from you guys, you'd sent it, and then I got it the very next day. And Oh, I, seriously? Yeah, and I think the person I was talking nice. to, we were both like, I don't know how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just some of that prim play magic you got to get in right. people. <laughs> I was like, how did yeah, it get we, from... We try to get everything out fast. Yeah, it, it was just, it blew my mind. I was like, how did they get from Washington State to South Carolina <laughs> and to the house? special print and play delivery service. <laughs> but anyways. <laughs> that, that's awesome. I'm glad that happened. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that, um, it's almost the beginning of a, of a completely different rant that I just don't want to get into on this because it has nothing to do with gaming, but... <laughs> But everything to do with my my current ire with with my local post office. Um, so that was. Oh yeah, well I, I feel you there. I, I'm having <laughs> my own issues, and it's all game related too. Because of course I'm I'm into games to the point where I work games, and then uh-huh. I come home, and then I'm like, where is my new game I ordered? Why? Is this well, new? yeah, yeah, it is kind of related to that too. Now that I'm thinking about yeah. it. it, it's always like, uh, where's that Kickstarter that I was. <laughs> My tracking thing says it was delivered, but it's not here. It's better just to not know 
tracking information on Kickstarter. So that's just, <laughs> like, wow, a year ago, I forgot about this completely. This so, when stuff, so when stuff shows up, it's just like, oh, wow, is it my birthday again? Is it... yeah, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> I got a new game. I don't even remember buying this. Yep. Yep. It's the best. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> so I was going to... Yeah, I was like, well, what what kind of components do you do you have? What kind of components do you supply? But it sounds like your answer is look on the website because it's a lot of whatever you might think of. Or if you can't find it there, I guess we could contact you and and <laughs> and you guys yeah, would, honestly, though, out. like we can we can get a hold of just about anything you need. We do <laughs> a ton of custom stuff, so we can make just about anything you need. Oh, very cool. So really, I mean, if when it comes down to it, if you're interested in doing something board game related, mm-hmm. check us out because chances chances are we've either got it in stock, we can make it, or we can find it for you and get it to you. That's that's kind of been the, the main goal from the very beginning. And as we've slowly ramped up things and our team has grown, it's been easier and easier to, to make that happen. Yeah, we are, we are currently just completely slammed. We are actually... This year, COVID is what it is, and it's done some things to businesses that are terrible. Uh-huh. For whatever reason, we have been busier than we've ever been since we started. <laughs> I wonder so, if that's because people are at home, so they're they're like, "Well, what do I do? I don't know. I guess I'll try I, to design." I'm game. guessing. <laughs> I'm guessing that's what it is. We are getting a, a lot of like corporate orders, like big. We just did a thousand game order, and we're doing a five hundred game order and a three hundred game order. And my wow. construction manager is like, "I am literally dying. Why are you doing this to me?" <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, <laughs> but it's uh, we we couldn't be more grateful because I mean it's it's a rough time for everyone, and to be able to keep our guys employed and working mm-hmm. and make the higher ups happy with us during this time has been really really good. We have awesome customers and we're very grateful for them for sure if anyone is interested in checking us out um again it's printplaygames.com and feel free to contact our 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 team if you have any questions um we're all over social media you can hit us up there if you'd like and we also really like to share projects that we have come in if that's something you're interested in um so if you do ever place an order like your brand new game you're super stoked you want to share it around we'll we'll definitely share it and spread the love because we want to we want to encourage game making and right now it's the best possible time to do it so if we can help play a part in pushing your project forward we, we absolutely want to i've been talking with todd patrickwin haha i got it right uh, nailed the mar- it <laughs> the marketing the marketing guy at print and play games so yes, listeners, check check them out, printplaygames.com. And they're they're all over social media. I found them on Facebook. Yeah, thanks for having me, John. I appreciate it. Yeah, and I hope I hope that at some point we can have you on again and maybe we can talk about some of your other uh, avenues that are related to ga- gaming. Absolutely. Gaming is life right now, so I'm always happy to talk about it. Hey, this is Toast. Um, go ahead and leave a Swarmcast a message. Remember our number, area code 803-470-4439. Maybe we'll use our message on the air. Who knows? The following game reviews were submitted by attendees at Scared Gaming Convention. Name of the game, Tapestry. 
reviewed by Anthony. The good, great components and smooth, fluid gameplay. Fun, abstract, civilization-building game. The bad, very abstract. You can possibly build time travel before you've built the radio. Also can be a bit long and minimal player interaction. The other, fun game despite the bad. Recommend? Yes. Buy? Yes. Tapestry, reviewed by Jennifer. The good, there are plenty of paths to victory. The bad, it's long and some players may finish early and be bored. Other, it's complex and would be easier to play with someone who already knows how to play. Recommend yes, buy yes. <laughs> Tournament of Towers, reviewed by David. The good, the box fart did not smell new. It smelled like victory because it's easy and been done similarly. Similar games exist. So dot, dot, dot. The bad, do not sit on the pieces, wear shoes, not so much riveting excitement. Other, based on cost, I would just buy some PVC and specialty fasteners from Home Depot. Recommend? Yes. Buy? No. Tournament of Towers, reviewed by Gideon. The good, you get to build. When it falls, the game is over. The bad, zero things that I don't like. Other, none. Recommend? Yes. Buy? Yes. Tournament of Towers, reviewed by Luther. The good, simple, challenging, co-op, and competitive play. The bad, too simple for my taste, too plain. Other, none. Recommend, yes. Buy, no. Tournament of Towers, reviewed by Dan. The good, love this game. Simple to learn, quick play, but fun. The bad, nothing bad to say. Other, none. Recommend, yes. Buy, yes. Tournament of Towers, reviewed by Nick. The good, great game that makes you think. The bad, none. Other, none. Recommend, yes. Buy, yes. Tournament of Towers, reviewed by Joe. The good, this game is great for all ages, and let's be honest, who doesn't like playing with blocks? The bad, recommend playing with others of similar block building skills. Other, none. Recommend, yes. Buy, yes. Name of the game? Battletech, reviewed by Paul. The Good. Great fun, uh, variety, and there's lots of players. Great mech choices, maps, prizes, dice, uh, teaching of the game, tactics, and friendly for new players. The Bad. Uh, there was a lot of loud background noise from those 40k players. Uh, fist shake up in the air. The Other. The time stated 10 a.m. instead of 8 a.m., and there were 14 players playing at at any one time woot recommend yes buy yes battletech reviewed by russ the good i had a great time the gms were very knowledgeable it was a great scenario the gm knows the rules very well there was a great amount of participation and plenty of mechs and dice the bad none other none recommend yes buy yes battletech Name of reviewer, Dan, the good. Really cool scenario, a bunch of small guys versus a couple of big ones, the bad. With a lot of people, this can really slow down combat. Other, there was good GM and there were cool painted minis. Recommend yes and buy, maybe. Battletech, reviewed by Bob, the good. Lots of fun blowing stuff up, the bad. It can get a little large. The other, none. Recommend yes, buy, Yes. Battletech. 
Convoy, reviewed by Paul. The good, great maps, great variety of mechs. The bad, none. Other, none. Recommend yes. Buy, yes. Battletech, Leves Deviant, reviewed by Dan. The good, very cool minis and group combat. The bad, a little crunchy for new players, but not too bad. The other, very organized demo, new player friendly. Recommend, yes. Buy, maybe. Battletech, Piranha. Name of reviewer, Paul. The good, lots of damage. The bad, too many mechs. And other, fun people. Recommend, yes. Buy, yes. Podcast at Thanks for listening to the Swarmcast Podcast. Remember to check us out on Facebook. And remember to check us out on Twitter at Swarmcast Podcast. And you can always email us all sorts of stuff at swarmcastpodcast at gmail.com. So you can check us out on uh, Stitcher and uh, Podbean and, gosh, all sorts of other things. Heck, we're on Amazon Music now. If you can believe that, you can actually get our podcast there. Anyways... You guys have fun, be safe, and if you're gonna be gaming, think about me!
No!